Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter, one of the co-hosts, joined by Isaac Adams. How you doing, brother? Good to be with you, brother, as Good always. Good to be with you. We wanted to talk about how and when we disagree, both generally and how we are viewing this podcast and our ministry. In light of all of that, would you pray for us as we get started? Yeah, man, let's do that. Father, we pray that you would make this conversation useful. Father, that it would be useful for the building up of your church, Lord, is Austin and I even talking about some of our own disagreements or ways we work through things. Lord, we pray that that would be a model and that you would use it, Lord, and that we would see our churches can be full of differences and full of love, full of differences and full of your glory. And somehow you are more glorified in us working through things together in love and humility and gentleness and eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You're more glorified in that than you are in just giving us all the right answers. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Isaac, I think some people can sort of view our ministry, view our, our partnership, see us interacting online and think that you and I are of such a hive mind that we never disagree. I think that's probably accurate. Except for, the, except for the time I posted the picture of us at the lake together and you were driving the boat and I was being towed by the boat on the little tube. Yeah, you okay? Yeah, I've recovered. But I think people probably assumed that uh, we weren't as united that day, uh, <laughs> seeing as... You were flipping me all over the lake, but yes. Anyway, generally, yes, I agree with your statement. How would you dispel someone of that notion that we never disagree? Oh, I try to remind them that you and I are not exempt from the fall. Uh, so you and I see through a, di- a glass dimly, and we don't always see things the same way. I mean, it, jokes aside, yes, we're obviously both sinners and sinful men, uh, but I would just, what I would tell that person is, this is not the only time you and I talk. This no. is actually the this podcast. I mean, this is actually the vast minority probably of our talking. And so you and I bump heads, not a ton, but certainly can lock horns over different things, especially as we try to have a ministry about diversity and different, and that brings up different convictions, different uh, anxieties with like, oh, do we want to talk to so-and-so or do we, anyway, all of those things provide, provide opportunity for us to disagree and for us to have to work through hard things, which I'm actually frankly encouraged by, because if that didn't exist, it would kind of feel like preaching something we're not practicing, but I can just with clear conscience stand before anyone and the Lord, most importantly, and say, no, me and Austin do try to do the very things we talk about here, and uh, we have plenty of opportunity to do so. I would agree with all of that, and I, just, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea because there is a very high degree of agreement and overlap between us, which is why we enjoy this partnership as much as we do, even as we lock horns occasionally. Well, and it's why it's possible if we, if we just didn't if we were just on different planets, though we both be Christians, it just wouldn't work. That's right. So I wanted to talk about, part of this episode may feel like housekeeping, but I, I promise at the end we'll try and bring it back to why you, noble listeners, should care about this. But in terms of our podcast, for a few seasons after I came on at co-host, we didn't really have many guests. 
And that was intentional. Why did we decide to do that? One reason is, you know, we wanted to establish our own rhythm. Uh, another reason is guests are a lot to manage. <laughs> That's true. And I say that to no offense of any of our guests. And I've been a guest on plenty of shows. Guests are a lot to deal with. And three, we wanted to really set the voice and tone and trajectory for the show. Or three reasons that come to mind, mind quickly. Any you would add? No, I think that's right. I mean, we were, we knew we were good friends, but we were trying to figure out how to do this ministry together. And I think, I think for all of the reasons you just mentioned, and just for the practical reason of getting some reps together, that was a useful thing to do for a time. Um, we've had some guests on already this year. I wouldn't call any of those interviews controversial. And by that, I mean, if you generally appreciate the content we put out as a ministry, you probably wouldn't have been surprised by anything that came out of those interviews so far in season nine. Do you think that's accurate? I think that's completely accurate. Now, moving forward, we intend to have guests on that represent a broader range of views on some important and controversial topics. And would you say that's from time to time or every episode? If I'm a noble listener, am I expecting a huge shift? I don't think it's going to be a huge shift, but I do think it is a little bit of a shift. So why are we doing that? Well, the ministry is called United We Pray. And so we at least have the working understanding that you can be a Christian and disagree, and you can be a Christian and disagree very significantly on certain issues. And if we're going to represent the kind of unity we aspire to in our churches and that we both believe Christ has bled for— we're going to have to hear from different people and even different people that, frankly, make you and I cringe on things or make some of our listeners cringe on things, whether they be on the left, the right, or in the middle. And I think that's a healthy kind of cringing. And so, in other words, so we're not, maybe to put it like this, because we're not hive mind and because we don't want to be hive mind, we need to hear from people outside, what's the phrase that people always use? The echo chamber. Right. And otherwise, I'm not really sure what all is happening on the show in that sense, besides prayer, which is wonderful and needed. So we have never claimed to be perfectly balanced. But one of the ways you and I both try to avoid living in that echo chamber you just described is to have friends on both our ideological left and right. <laughs> yes, very much so. And that's not to say we strike a perfect balance. We, are, we want to be challenged regularly in multiple directions, and we thought it would be useful to sort of bring that to the podcast and, and put that forth publicly. Yeah, that's right. So when we have a guest on, should listeners assume that we agree with everything that person has written or said outside of our interview? No, they should not, which is kind of my working assumption, but I, I realize it's not everyone's working assumption, but they should definitely, they should definitely not assume. So if we have a guest on who's an expert on a specific issue and we talk to them about that issue, we're not co-signing everything they've ever done outside of that. No, we said, hey, we think you have wisdom on this particular area uh, and we'd like to hear from you on that particular area. And it's, it's just not intended to be a full on endorsement wholesale of that person or everything they've said. Now, does it mean we will necessarily agree with everything they say in their interview with us? No, I hope not. And, that, and that's tough, right? Because, I mean, the, the better friends you are with someone, the more you can, you know, we want to model the charitable disagreement. And I'm sure we'll push back at certain points or, you know, but, you know, you're, you're hosting someone. The, the, no, the normal social norms of conversation, you don't just chuck those out the window. This isn't, you know, crossfire, you know, at nine o'clock on pick your cable news show where they don't care about the relationship. 
we would like to care about relationships and it's just rude to invite someone on your show and argue with them. I mean, having done plenty of book interviews, I'll tell you, it's rude to do that. And so, yeah. Uh, and so I think you challenged me helpfully if I can just talk, talk to one thing where I, I, clearly a verbal tick of mine is you'll be talking about whatever and I'll say, right. Right. And that can sound to a listener like affirmation of what the person is saying. And I completely understand why it sounds that when all I really mean is I understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, regardless of how I feel about them or what I think about them. Right. Right. OK. I see what you're saying. But I want to be clear that that's not at least Isaac's sign off on all that that person is saying. Sure. And I, I hope I appreciate you saying that. And we will we will try to do a clear job in signaling what we take significant issue with and what we don't. But let's just explore that. Say we have someone on the show who has very different from views from you or I on a number of things, whether that's political or theological or gender roles in the church or anything like that. Do we have to settle all those other disagreements before we have a different specific conversation with them? No, because I think and I think this I I think this is very useful conversation, just like cleaning your house is very useful in some sense, like you were talking about housekeeping earlier, for two reasons. One, on that one, not every disagreement needs to be addressed in every conversation. I think marriage is super useful on this point, and you are smiling and you agree. Um, you know, when you and your wife, you and your spouse need to work through something, you just don't come, or at least... If you, you shouldn't come with, here are the 23 things we need to work through. Forgot to take out the trash. You didn't buy any ice cream. You forgot to pick up our kid from school. You forgot that my favorite color was red when you, you know, picked out that bought this shirt for me. Uh, you didn't iron my, all my shirts. I mean, like the one issue you should probably talk about in that list, you forgot to get our son from school. Let's just, we don't need, so... As you, you know, have helped helped me with, not every disagreement needs to be addressed in every conversation. And I think we'd have a lot better conversations if we remembered there are some things that fall into the forbearance box of, hey, that's just that person. I already knew, you know, just in terms of this show, I already knew this person thought X, Y, and Z about gender roles in the church or whatever it may be. And to be clear, no, we're not saying we're just about to view, interview anyone. We still have a standard and vet people and things like that. But uh, all that to say, conversations derail when we, when we just try to be purist in that sense of, I got to I got to make sure. And it's just, frankly, it shows a lack of trust of like, I got to make sure to disassociate with you in every possible way. So no listener is ever confused about anything. Well, I think we'd like a bit more charity on the show of like, you know, maybe we say, Hey, you know, Tom, I, you know, we disagree about X and Y and Q, but I really want to talk to you about Z maybe, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bind us to that necessarily every time. So that's one way. Not every disagreement needs to be addressed in every conversation. And anyone who's had a relationship of any sort understands that. You gotta, you gotta, humans don't work that way. You gotta be incremental in that approach. And, and I hope forbear with a lot. Um, the second thing is just going back to the kind of right, right thing I was talking about. 
in terms of communication. I just think that's another useful way to show how conversations just derail so quickly, or at least listening in on conversations. It's like, well, Isaac said, right, right. He He's affirming that. And all I meant was, I understand. And you have done good work to talk, and we've talked about the danger of, and that's honestly, for me, a useful word, because I need to realize, well, regardless of my intentions, the impact of my words and what people honestly heard was affirmation. And so that's something to be careful of in that sense. So one way we might practice hospitality for a guest is that we're interviewing someone on a topic and they say something unrelated. They go off on a tangent and we don't agree at all. Are you saying we might just let that go for the sake of the interview? Kind of. I'm saying we might let that go for the sake. Yes, is the answer. But it's not even just for the sake of the interview. It's for the sake of what we're modeling, right? So I could... I really don't care about having the perfect interview in that sense. But if we're trying to model real conversation, conversations that actually happen in real churches, so we're not we're not trying to do a ton of plastic surgery to these conversations to say, look at this ideal that is not realistic. So in real conversations, in real churches, between real sinners— yeah, like tangents happen, people kind of wander, like, okay, that was a kind of side road. And sure, like any good editorial publication, uh, and even publishing is different, you know, print is different than speech. But it's like this this <laughs> interview was edited for length and clarity. Sure, willing to do that. But what I don't want to do is act like, is put out, hey, we have real conversations, but we actually don't let people you know, stomp around in the mud for a little bit. And it's like, okay, some mud got on my shoes. I didn't really appreciate that, but I'm just going to keep going because that's what, at least in my conversations, that's what happens. If we're going to talk about hard things, especially because I often talk about, uh, we often talk about racism as the Velcro sin. So many things stick to it. So if I'm talking about this person and they weave in and out of education and, uh, you know, whatever issues, education disparities, housing disparities, or whatever, and they say something about issue A that I may not agree with, but I think their point on issue C is good, or that's the what I want to follow. Yeah, I'm just not going to pick up A unless I think it's so problematic uh, that I'm like, I've got to address that. Uh, and I just think I have a higher a higher tolerance for letting people explore things. Um I said this on one episode, but I think it, it bears repeating. Advice Ray Ortland gave me is you've got to respect people's God-given right to think for themselves. And some of that we're letting happening on this show, like this person's thinking for themselves, speaking for themselves. I'm not just going to cut them off and be, well, what did you mean right there? And again, one of our pillars of this ministry is clarity. We want to clarify. But if we're looking for perfect clarity in a conversation between two imperfect people, uh, then it becomes finding, we don't want to try to find dirt and snowstorms, let the good, perfect be the enemy of the good, all those kind of things. Yeah. yeah, amen to all of that. And it's an exercise of trust in our listeners to be able to not be reactionary and and listen to someone on our podcast thinking for themselves, giving them the space to do that. And allowing our listeners to discern, discern the truth. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, uh, you know, if you're listening to this just to fault find, I'm sure you'll find plenty of fault. 
if you're listening to this to be challenged and spit out me and or spit out bones and take me if you're listening to this to say i want to just get out of my echo chamber and you know i don't agree with you about x and y but man on z that's that's good for me i think you'll be helped so at the risk of getting overly personal about this take us there brother i think it ties into why listeners should care about these things in their own lives you and i had earlier this week roughly a two-hour conversation that was honestly a little bit hard at times and part of it was trying to trace down the root of a disagreement we were having. And you pointed out something you were observing in me and asked me to explain it. And I really appreciate that because you didn't just say, I'm observing this in Austin, which means whatever. So can you share what you were seeing and why that concerned you as my friend? Yeah. We talked about fundamentalism both on the left and the right, right? What do you mean by fundamentalism? What I mean is a kind of stance that, in its own understanding, is so adheres to its own fundamentals or principles that it does not associate, it is unwilling to associate with anyone who does not hold to those principles or even appears not to hold to those principles or who it doesn't associate with people who associate with people who don't adhere to those principles. That's what I mean. So a kind of, and it's commonly used to folks on the theological right uh, and the fundamentalist movement, but we've talked about it being on both sides, this kind of, I have these beliefs and you're out if you don't. Yeah. Seeking a level of like intellectual purity of association. Like I will only associate with people who think like me. Right. And if you, if I find a whiff of anything in what you're saying to be ideologically impure, you're out. So the, the disassociate, the, the separating factor, the separatist instinct is, I think, a key facet of that kind of fundamentalism. So, um, and I just said, hey, bro, I feel like I'm noticing like a shift in you over the years, these last few years, where you seem to be more unwilling to work with or associate with people to your right. Is that an accurate representation of what I said? Yeah, I think that's how you you framed it for me. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, can, can you, am I seeing that right? Can you explain that? Because I think some conversations were coming up about either different folks we were thinking about working with, partnering with, and I felt there to be, and here's what I said, more, Rigor is not the word I'm looking for. I think for. you said disgust. Disgust, yeah, yeah. Anger, I feel like the word is anger, not anger, maybe just anger. Rancor, that's what it was. Rigor and anger, there you go. I felt that you had more of that, and I could summarize it up in that word disgust, than I've seen in the past. Well, you brought that up, and I appreciated you bringing that up, and I, I think I was able to explain it in a way that you appreciated I did. I really, it really, and what was so helpful, I mean, folks, it was a hard conversation. It's one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. And that's why I, you know, what I prayed about earlier, I think this is where God is more glorified in us working through that and wrestling through that as brothers than he was than you and I just having the answer from the back of the book that's the right answer. Because I think there was so much love in the conversation and trust. And, you know, you've been a safe enough person for me to talk to where I feel like, hey, I can bring an honest concern to you 
and my head won't get ripped off or the friendship won't end or the ministry's on the line at this point. And the irony is if we didn't have the conversation, then the ministry would be on the line. <laughs> the, the bitterness and the suspicion would fester and it just, this is what happens. Anyway, so yeah, you spoke to, as I understood, an asymmetry you perceived that really did discourage you over the years and that really produced harm and hurt and deep frustration that I clearly was seeing the effects of, that I was seeing the fruit of, but I, I wasn't understanding the root. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I'm happy to. And I appreciate the way you framed it, which is that I am perceiving something and I will admit all the caveats that my own perception is not perfect. Right. What I perceive is that Christians and particularly those who are more right-leaning, which in our context is kind of funny to think of because everybody we talk to and everybody who will be on this podcast is a Bible-believing Christian, right. which makes them extremely conservative <laughs> right. in the theological you know, plane of existence. But within this narrow slice of American evangelicalism, those who would see themselves and be understood as being more right-leaning, I have seen a tendency, I have perceived a tendency, um, would be a better way to say it, of a, an uncarefulness and of, uh, I don't think they are necessarily fair in how they talk about their theological opponents, both in the church and outside of the church. I'm not seeing some of my brothers and sisters use definitions that their opponents would affirm. I'm not seeing them represent arguments they disagree with in ways that the opponents would echo. And I'm not seeing that same instinct on the left. Whether or not that asymmetry is there, Christians need to do better. And can you talk about, before I trace this down a bit more, can you talk about why that bothered you so much, that asymmetry? I'm not saying it shouldn't. I'm just... Yeah, whether or not the asymmetry is there, um, that, that action, that... I mean, I'll, I'll call it a casual dishonesty. And just to be clear so people understand, you're saying, hey, folks on the right seem to misrepresent, if not slander, folks on the left, Christians on the left, or whatever. Or non-Christians on yeah, the left. Yeah, seem to, seem to do that often and frequently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's really discouraging. Um, when, when Christians act like the world, they call into question the truthfulness of God's promises about his people. And I mean, to be real honest, like I'm coming out of, I hope, a period of pretty deep spiritual discouragement based on some of these conversations and interactions over the last couple of years and seeing Christians, professing Christians misrepresent and miscategorize, um, you know, other, others in the church or the watching world. And the Lord hasn't called us to that. And I think one thing you mentioned was what made it particularly sting for you so much is we say we have the moral high ground. We have the Bible. We have God's spirit. We have God's spirit. We have this standard. And then we act like that. So the, let's just use a kind of basic word about it, hypocrisy 
deeply discouraging for you. Yeah, Spiritually very, so. Very. Put you in a dark place. Very. And we've seen people who at least would cite the reason, and we have all the caveats about individual responsibility, and you know, despite the sins of God's people, God is still faithful, all of those. But we, nonetheless, it's no, it's an, it's not an uncommon story that people have seen the hypocrisy of believers and been like, this doesn't add up because that hypocrisy lies about God. It's like, what, if this is God, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to let you in behind the curtain, I mean, that's why I'm such a, a stickler on defining terms. That's why I've written articles arguing that Christians should avoid labels like woke in describing our opponents. I mean, I, I think of, of Jesus warning about leading people astray, that it would be better that a millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown into the ocean than that your actions would be the reason someone doesn't want to follow God. Yeah. And I think one thing you also said that was useful, because I wasn't, I wasn't even pushing back. Cause at this point I'm like, I'm like, ah, oh, this makes sense. And it, it also helped me understand why that rancor was coming out on a very specific kind of line of line of work we were kind of disputing, which was, hey, if we want to talk, if we want to talk with, you know, X or Y person or talk about X or Y subject, it would only seem to come up around, you know, you would kind of tense up around the definitions or around the categorizations, which I appreciate, you know, uh, but it was like, it only, like, it seems like I've, I've got the Austinite I'm used to and know and all his, you know, leanings until we step, like, until we step right here. And then like, ah, there's, there's more landmine there than there used to be. And now we understand why. And I said, but Austin, you know, what if your asymmetry is off and the left rep misrepresents to the right all the time? And I guess I was like saying like, why are you so bothered by the right misrepresenting the left if the left does this to us all the time? And I want to be careful about us, but you know what I mean? And you said something really useful that I remember. I don't know if you remember, but you want me to just say- Go ahead if yeah. you remember. You said, brother, even if they do it <laughs> to us all the time, that doesn't make what we're doing right. And that was, I was like, oh yeah, that's just obviously true. Like two wrongs don't make a right. And like, we do have a high standard as those who have the Bible of like, that doesn't justify our doing it to anyone. So the asymmetry doesn't really matter in that regard, because if it's happening, it's happening and we need to deal with it and call it for what it is. Yeah, and just to describe the asymmetry, so I have spent a ton of time uh, reading non-Christians describing the problems with Christianity. And as they summarize our theological positions, I would agree with their definitions. Now they analyze and characterize and, and you know, dispute why they think our theological definitions are, and positions are wrong. And obviously we part ways there, but they're not misrepresenting us. They're saying this is what they believe. And here's why it's wrong. And here's why it's wrong. And do you, when you say on Christianity, do you mean on Christianity and race or do you just mean Christianity in total? Well, both. But, but the, the research I've been doing is specifically on Christianity and race and them looking at the church and going, why did Christians get race so wrong? So there you're seeing fair representation. Yeah. From left going to right. But that's not what you see in the other direction. That's correct. And I could be wrong about that, but in either case, we still need to tell the truth. We still need to represent people fairly. And, and I, I think one thing I brought up was 
I mean, this is one difficulty of this is one's understanding of the left's position may be different than yours. And there, so, you know, I think you would say, and tell me if you disagree with this, that you're not saying people are intentionally lying all the time. No, but I think, I think that happens. I think a more common error is to bake our analysis into our definitions. Flesh that out for me. So um, we look at a position, analyze it, say why it's wrong. And then as we define what that is, we bring those reasons why it's wrong into the definition. So, um, I mean, well, let me just use one that happens all the time. When we talk about critical race theory, um, people will not use the definitions for critical race theory that critical race theorists use about their own work. They will say it is a flawed system of this type, which when applied to race does this. And their definition, their starting point is not something anyone would affirm. And then I guess that makes that defining work important uh, and really difficult when it's like, yeah, if we've got the same word but different dictionaries, we can see why the conversations get so tough. Right. So let's sort of bring this home, uh, having spent all this time describing what we're doing in this podcast. Why should listeners care about this? Well, I think even in what we, I hope in what we just talked about, we see care for the other person. I think listeners should care because they want, at the end of the day, Lord willing, to have better conversations and to learn from others. Uh, and they are tired of the fighting and late. I mean, I think it's just exhausting. I mean, I have a small prediction. This is, this kind of goes with the stuff we're talking about with social media. I don't, and I will, happily admit, I don't know the stats on this. Could be way off. But my sense is that people are getting tired of Facebook and... And all the fighting. And all the fighting. It's just it's just like, why am I clicking this? This thing, it started with me and my true friends. Now I'm such so-and-so who I don't even know I have to be friends with and I'm subjected to viewing their stuff and I don't even know this person and it's just like, why am I on? I, I just find that it's like, why am I on this? You know, and that's my own personal anecdote. So I won't project it onto other people. But I do just, find, I mean, it's like what we see. We see people being like, I'm out of Twitter. I'm done with this. Like, what? this is not what I signed up for. And, you know, I'm sure plenty of other, you know, I'm sure plenty of other people who have less than noble intentions are flocking to these platforms. Um. But I think people are tired of feeling dirtied by it all. And so if we're actually going to understand someone else, we're probably going to have to work on our thinking muscles and our listening muscles. And hopefully those are the kind of reps we're giving people on this show, recognizing we do it far from perfectly. I think that's really good. I thought of four quick reasons and the kind of synthesis of things we've already talked about. So one, we hope to have guests on to sharpen our own understanding and that of our listeners. Two, we hope to model charity and disagreement. Three, we hope to locate those disagreements in light of our biggest agreement with guests, which is on the gospel. 
And four, we hope to show how united we can be in God and how we pray and work together even as we have those smaller disagreements. Yeah, that was synthesized well, brother. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on this topic before we pray? I would just say that it isn't easy, these kind of conversations, but Jesus never promised easy. In fact, he promised quite the opposite, and I really do think it's worth it. I think I'm just growing more convinced that of what I've been saying, that God is glorified in the mess. And so you can be really discouraged by the mess, but I do think it, it really is worth it. And in heaven, we won't be arguing. Amen. So that's where I'd leave it. And I would just, I would encourage our listeners to write in with their questions and things. We want to hear from folks. And, you know, it, you and I, it's kind of like when we go to conferences and we exhibit for United We Pray, we have plenty of folks who come and let us know that they disagree with us. And we try to be as charitable and receptive of that as we can be. And I think if that marked us more, hopefully some of the behavior you're witnessing will decrease and will, yeah, will increase in our fairness and our communication and our love. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would hate to walk away from this bitter. Yeah. Yeah. And we, that's kind of part of what we're trying to inoculate against is if we're just going to throw in our towel, you know, take our ball and go home. I just think that's a loss for the kingdom. So. Well, I love you. Thank I love you, for, you, brother. Thank you for having hard conversations with me. Thank you for continuing in this work. Well, man, thank you for doing this. I mean, yeah, well, I, when you were talking about it, I was like, man, was it two hours? I guess it was. And, uh, you know, I think we could both kind of feel it in the room, but it was just, we left. I think, the here's the weird thing, or the kind of, I guess this is what God does thing. We both left loving each other more. And I left believing in the power of the Spirit more when we were committed to each other's good, committed to respecting each other, committed to listening to each other, committed to helping each other, committed to refining one another. It was good. And I'd do it again. I would too. We'll probably get the opportunity. I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunity. Should we pray, brother? Let's do it. I can open us. Father, thank you for... Um, my brother, thank you for this ministry. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that we who are in Christ share of the same spirit and have a greater level of unity and a greater level of understanding that is possible in the world. Lord, we pray that we would lean into that even when there is apparent disagreement that threatens us or scares us. Lord, we pray that we would trust you more than we trust our own instincts to fear or to be angry or to doubt each other's good intentions. Lord, we pray that insofar as we're able to do that, um, we, would, we would model you know, the fruits of the Spirit in disagreement and agreement with each other and with whichever guests you bring us um, on this podcast. But Lord, we just ask that you continue to bless this ministry. And we ask for, for more unity and more understanding and more grace for each other um, and for our listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, your word <clears throat> says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So, Father, we pray that as we go through adversity in our own relationships and friendships, Lord, that you would give us grace uh, to endure hard things being said to us, 
uh, or things we need to say. Lord, we thank you for your word that gives us all we need for life and godliness, uh, for how it addresses specific wounds and specific words. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for Austin and uh, the way he uses his mind and the good of the, the way he works for good through this ministry. Father, we pray that a lot more helpful and healthy conversations would abound. Uh, we pray that you would give us grace to be clear about the things we are and are not talking about or fighting about. Lord, we don't want to look like Babel, talking past one another under your judgment. We want to look more and more like the image of Christ that's being renewed in us by your Spirit and that we're being transformed into. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com. Grace and peace. Oh